All right, everybody, I need your help today. Whenever in my family people get ready to go and to give a gift, whether it's gift time, whether it's gift time uh, at Christmas time or birthdays or whatever, I got a note up here. Go ahead, put, it up, put that graphic up there for me, sis. There's one side of the family that always says, you have to write a thank you card. It's not one half of the family. It's probably most of them. Matter of fact, I'm probably the only one on the other side. If I give my nephew or my niece, or if I give a gift to you and you say thank you and shake my hand or give me a hug or give me a kiss, that's all I need. Don't make your parents go home and make you write a thank you note. Matter of fact, I tell my nieces and nephews, don't listen to your parents. <laughs> don't, I mean, come on. What more do you need? I mean, it's just like your parents are giving you homework to do too on top of everything else. I always tell them all the time, that's enough is enough. Now, folks, at the top of your notes, I have two ways to receive a gift. And I'll go right along with what I'm telling you. Take your blue sermon notes out, pull your smartphone out, go to the Bible app. If you want to go on your, all of your notes are there too. Go to the live events and follow along with that to us today. There are two ways to receive a gift. Can I ask you which family you're from? There's those people that when you open a gift or get a gift from somebody, you take this mental note because you think, if they gave my kid $50 for graduation, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't want to give them 25 and when you're taking that, so you're receiving a gift and you're taking this mental note, it's taking kind of like almost all of the joy out of it. They give you a gift card or, or, or money or whatever it is. It's got to be some kind of similar gift. And that's one way to receive a gift. The other way to receive a gift is what I was trying to teach everybody in my family, but to no avail. The other side is, is to have a grateful heart with the heart of thanks, believing that the giver truly just wanted to give you a gift. No strings attached and no thank you card required. Matter of fact, when I got my arm done, there was a bunch of wonderful people, thank you so very much, who brought food to my home. If you got a thank you card, it came from my wife. My name may be on it, but I didn't send it. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. But I ain't right. Man. Two ways to receive a gift. It's always like, you know, what do I got to do in return or whatever, or just taking it and receiving it. And folks, there are two ways to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One way never, ever works. There's only one way to get it. There's only one way to remain. There's only one way to finish, and that's what I want to talk to you today. Here's those two ways. The first one is the law. The law, it's where it's in your notes. Salvation is received by the means of works and pleasing people. You never notice that that's what happens lots of times when you get into falling into good works. I understand parents, you're going to tell your kids, you're going to bring them to church, you're going to do what's right, yada, yada, yada. They don't have a choice. But why are you here? Is it because that's what you need to do to get saved, or is it because of the love of Jesus Christ? There is the law out there. And then the other one is, is the Spirit. Salvation is received through faith and the freedom which Christ provided on the cross. It is through faith. The good works and everything come because of a love relationship. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I get it, we've got to keep the commands, but it's only supposed to take part because of this love and this fresh, 
presence of the Spirit of God that lives inside of me every single day. Now in your notes, I have Galatians 3, verses 1 through 18. Could you turn there in your Bibles? Could you turn there on your phones? You really need it today. I don't have it in your notes there. We're reading a couple books on holiness this year, something to stretch us. This is a message that will stretch you today. And as I was reading one of the books on holiness, James Deal had these three points in here. I give him credit for those three points here today. I'm sure he did a much better job than than I, I did with this today. But it inspired me to take a look at this for me personally and for every one of you today. All right, keeping our faith fresh comes, number one, It comes through the evidence of personal experience. The evidence of personal experience. In verses 1 through 5, Paul is going to ask the Galatians six questions. He's asking them a personal question. And you need to ask yourself this question too. He says to them, you foolish Galatians, first question, who has bewitched you? Who's put a hex on you? Do you know in Galatians 1, Paul says, I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends. The the works pretend. The law pretends to, to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. He said, you're being fooled by those who want you to follow the law. You're being fooled. And he opens here and he says, you're a fool. Look at, read on with me. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I want to like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Second question, everybody. He says to them, I'd like you to recheck this. Now, folks, if you have not given your life to Christ, you can't recall this in your mind. If you haven't had that fresh presence of Jesus Christ, this doesn't make any sense to you. But he says to all you who are Christians, would you go back and recall how you began your Christian life? Could you go back and remember how did you receive the Spirit? You heard about Jesus Christ crucified. You gave your life to him. You turned from your sins. And this fresh presence of the gift came to live inside of you. But something has happened. You've been hexed. You've been bewitched. You're heading off in another direction. He says in verse 3, here's the third question. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Fourth question. And look at these two words. He says beginning and finish. Folks, you begin your Christian walk by means of the Spirit. That's by faith. But the means of the flesh will never help you finish your Christian walk. You have to continue by the Spirit. And the reason he's so upset about this is I know that some people think once you're saved, you're always saved. That's not what Paul's teaching. You can't start this way and go back to the flesh again. You'll see that he'll say Paul never would ever. He'd say that's no credit for you. Jesus Christ will become no credit to you if you think you can work your way back into heaven. Verse 4. Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? That's the fifth question. Paul appeals to their experience as new Christians. You know, he asks, was that a waste? Was it all in vain how you started? So again, verse 5, I ask, and here's the sixth question. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Believing what you heard. 
Only by means of our faith in believing what we've heard and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, how we began our Christian experience is the same means by which we continue and, he used the word, finish it. Folks, you know, if you get a new job, you know, if you, if you are an employer, you know, if somebody gets a new job, they go there, they're working great. If you're the employee, it's all fresh and new and you're loving your job. But after six months, it's almost like, a, well, you, were, you took your 15-minute break, but everybody else has begun to influence you, and it's 20, 25 minutes now. You know, you used to take a half hour because that's what you're allowed, and you were right, John, but now everybody else does 45 minutes. You know, the quality of your work, now you're just bored, and so the quality of work, you don't have enough gumption to continue to do as good a job as you did before. But there are all kinds of people who, once they start their job, they just, they take such pride, and they do it as unto the Lord. They work as unto the Lord, and they do a good job continuously. This is the difficulty that sometimes Christians fall into. You started right, you started correct, and Paul's saying, you've fallen back into a lazy pattern. You've fallen back into a place you shouldn't be. Only the spirit that they received, that they began their Christian experience, could bring them to a place of their final salvation. Folks, do you have a fresh, fresh touch, a fresh the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a person who begins their Christian life by the Spirit and then attempts any other means according to even the flesh or the works of the law, the Bible says you're a fool. Number two, he then applies to them, uh, appeals to them through the proof of the Scripture. That's number two in your notes. And here's what is there, about five, six different passages of Scripture in this next section. He says to them, here's your personal experience, and I was there, and now you're doing this. Who kind of crept in? Because when you get pressured by other people to do the works of Christianity, and you're doing it because of them and not because of a love for Christ, that's when you start to fall back. And all of a sudden, it's like, where is Christ's presence in my life? Now, before I get here, we're going back to Abraham. I want to see if I can, because this is a little difficult passage to understand. You know when they write a play or when they, they film a movie? They have a beginning, middle, and end, right? The beginning, they introduce the scene. They introduce all the characters. You get to know who they are. The middle, oftentimes where the tension is, you know. And then the end, either a happy ending, a sad ending, whatever it might be. This is what Paul is doing here. He talks about the beginning, and the beginning is is when the promise was made to Abraham. And then 430 years later, in the middle of it all, comes the law. Don't forget, the promise was made before the law. The law is not there to get saved by. It's to show us we're sinners. And then the end, Jesus Christ crucified, raised from the dead. Good news at the end. So here, look at verse 6 with me. So Abraham, so also Abraham, and he quotes passages of Scripture, believed God, this is from Genesis, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you know what this is? This is when he said, Abraham, I want you to pick up your family and move to a place I'll show you. Now you think, well, that's good works. No, it's faith. When God spoke to him, he then said, yes, I will, I, I believe you. And so when he believed him, then that's the place of good works. Verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. Quote, another passage of Scripture, 
All nations will be blessed through you. And nations often is Gentiles. You know what he's saying? The entire world will be blessed through you. Verse 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, Abe's good works were born out of hearing and believing God's word, his calling and everything he did. And that's why it says he was considered righteous because he believed God. That's what you have to do. Are you doing what you do because you do what you do? Or is it because you believe this is what God wants? Have you discovered it in the scriptures and in his word? Verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. The word curse now was mentioned five times. Understand the place of the law. Understand the place of why it was put into, you'll see it here. As it is written, he quotes a passage of scripture, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Can anybody keep it all? The answer is no. So that means we're cut off, we're cursed. Unless somebody would become a curse for us. Verse 11. Clearly no one relies on the law, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because, he quotes another passage of scripture, the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. If we fall back into keeping the laws, if we fall back into rituals, if we fall back into saying, this is how we uh, walk in our Christian faith, you begin to slip back into what is null and void. You're called foolish. I am called, I am asked, Evan, who has bewitched you, hexed you, put something on you? Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse. If you sit here today without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're under a curse. But you don't have to be. You're uh, from the curse of the law. Why? By becoming a curse. How did he become a curse? He continues to quote scripture. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or hung on a tree. Jesus was hung on a pole and a tree. He hung. And curse anyone who does what is wrong, they're cursed. And in being the only person who did keep all of the law, He was the one then who didn't need to, but took our place. He redeemed us, verse 14, in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that, listen, by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The gift is the promise of the Spirit. Do you have a fresh presence of God Maybe it's something else. Maybe there's sin in your life, whatever it might be, my life. But, but I want to talk to you today about getting off of the curse of going, falling back into the law. See, it, the, that whole curse says, you know, we've got to keep it all in order to be made right. Well, guess what? You do have to. So what is the purpose of the law? To show me I can't save myself. To show me that somebody else has to remove this curse from me, these sins on me. And since Jesus was the only sinless one who kept the law, he became a curse, fulfilling what the scripture says so that the curse could be removed. Is there a fresh presence of God continually in our lives? All scripture gives proofs. We connect with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you fallen out of that? Have you fallen out saying, Lord, speak to me today through your word. Speak to me, talk to me. I will walk in your word. When you speak, I will believe it by faith 
And that fresh presence of the Lord continues to pour into us. Number three, the proof by human example. He's given us three proofs, everybody. He says, don't forget about your personal experience, how you started. He says, don't forget about the appeal that to the scriptures, the scriptures teaches. Now he says, you know what, let, let me find an example from everyday life. He says here, verse 15. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant, a human promise, a human will and testament that has been duly established, so it is in this case. When you set up a, a will, Marie and I have a, a living will, you set it up. If it's done right, nothing between the time you set it up and you die can mess with it. Jesus is the promise. He is the gift at the end. But the promise was made in a covenant between God and Abraham, read in the book of Genesis, where he would bring us a savior. And all of the nations would be blessed through his seed. His individual. Look at verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed, singular. It does not say and to seeds, plural, by meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. You got the beginning. The promise and the covenant and the will and the testament is made. He's drawing the same example. It's made. God made his promise and covenant. Then you have the law introduced 400 years later to show us we're sinners. And then at the end, this promise, no matter what happened with the law, what happened at the end, it could not nullify or change it. Look at verse 17. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later 430 years later than the promise, than the covenant, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. God made a promise, he made a covenant. Anything that happened between then and Jesus Christ coming, the fulfillment of it, the law, anything else, it could not save, nothing changes. Maria and I have a, a living will and a trust, you know. There's an inheritance at the end of it when we die. It's doled out three kids, 33, whatever, you know, between all of them. You know, uh, Elizabeth can't come to me and say, you know, well, Joshua lives in another state, so we get 50%. No, it's set up right. Jim, you better have set it up right, you know. <laughs> it's set up right. It's set up proper. No, but nothing can change it. And nothing changes, no matter what the law is. It didn't change it because the law is only there to say, Evan, do you see how far short you fall of God's glory? Now, have we started? For, for the Jewish person, that law was everything and everything that was there. And for, for Christians, it isn't so much even that, that law, but it's just all of the rituals and all of the things that religion begins to throw into our hearts and lives. And at the end of my life, my kids get my inheritance. And at the end of Jesus' life, when he gave his life and then he rose again, he gave you the inheritance. The promised Holy Spirit, it's in Acts, the very first chapter. Go to Jerusalem and wait until the gift, the gift that my Father promised comes. Is he living with you? Do you need the fresh presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? The proof of how we are living is found in the presence of the Lord. What happens to a sporting team often when they start out, you know, just 
gung-ho, you know, they're, they're going great, the Indians score a whole bunch of runs, and then you let off, and then someone, they sneak up, and they, they come back, and they defeat you, you know, it's so easy to start off so well, and then get complacent, oh, we got it in the bag, I'm a little concerned that there's some theology out there that says, get started right, but if you get started right, the concern that Paul has is, is you can start to slip away, don't be so foolish. Who's bewitched you? Why are you trying to have to do all this? Who are you pleasing? Why are you falling back into good works? Because by good works, nobody will be saved. I have in your notes, it was a good start, right? Sometimes us as Christians, it's a good start. You start off well, you start off walking in the Spirit, and there's this fresh presence. And I want to ask you the question, is that what you had? Or do you still have it? I, I, I hope you still have it. I know some, some of you still have it. But if not, I was just examining my own heart, and I know I could fall into this too. I'm kind of a lists person. I check out, get lists. You know, if you're analytical and you've got a list, you think, I just check it all off. I do all these things. I'm a Christian. Man, trust me. That is not going to connect you to a fresh presence. I ask you the question, why do you do what you do as a Christian? When you first get saved, when you first walk with Christ, it's all because of the love of Christ and what he's done for you. I mean, why do you pray? Why do you serve? Why do you forgive somebody? Why would you overlook an offense? Why are you here? You're here because of guilt, or you're here because Jesus Christ died for the church to establish the church. And the scripture tells us all over the place to be a part of a church, his church. And you love him. And yeah, sometimes you don't feel like it, but you just, you love them enough to know I need to be here. Why do you not do what you do not do as a Christian? Is it because you got a list? When you really want to just cuss and swear and you don't, is it because it's just, well, that's what Christians do, or it's because you don't want to hurt your Savior? I was talking to somebody very recently who was telling me somebody called them and they were talking to him and they were fishing for information and they were gossiping and they wanted information on this, that person. And the person said, kept putting them back, you, you go to the source. They would not gossip. They would not give out this. They're just fishing and trying to find this information. If you want to know, call that person. Why did that person not gossip? Because it's what you're supposed to do or it's because they love Christ enough. They love the church enough that they know what gossip can do inside of a church. Galatians, I have it in your notes, don't I? 5-2, Paul said this, mark my words, exclamation point. I don't know if that's there in the original Greek language or not. He said, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, for you and me, circumcision, that isn't the big deal. He was basically saying to them, if the Jewish people start to put this pressure on you and think the only way you can be saved is to go back into the law because that showed them that they were followers of God. But the New Testament teaches it's not a circumcision of the flesh. It's a circumcision of the heart. Has your heart been circumcised? See, if it doesn't make any sense to you and the presence that you want has is not there, then you start to do the works that a Christian is supposed to do and you're without the presence of the Lord. The asterisk in your notes kind of comes from Paul's words. Don't let Christ become of no value to you. 
by letting religious religion or religious people put this pressure on you. Can't tell you how many times somebody, they get saved, they start walking in Christ, they're walking in the scriptures, and the family from the outside push works on them. Hey, when are you going to get your baby baptized? Of course, the scriptures don't baptize babies. They only baptize believers. Children are dedicated. Read the Bible, so follow biblically. But yet sometimes the pressure of family, oh, we'll do it for the family. Works. Careful what that works can come to be. A relationship with Jesus Christ by faith and because of love and what he's done is what continues. Jesus is most happy, most connected to his friends because they put their faith in him and they trust him. So I have four things I'd like to talk to you about this morning as I get ready to just challenge every one of us that our hearts that our faith brings his fresh presence. Would you, number one, would you just kind of make sure you go back to putting your faith in Jesus and what he says in his word? That's why Bible study is so important. It's how we hear from God. It's why it's so important to have a daily devotional. Don't read it just to get it done. That's works. Read it saying, I, I will do what you say to, with me today. I put my faith in your word. Number two, that's what I'm talking Act on it by faith because of what you believe. Abraham did what he had to do because he believed God. Number three, do not trust your relationship with Jesus to your works. Number four, the way of faith is the way of the Holy Spirit. And the way of the Holy Spirit is the way of the gift of God which brings a fresh presence. Every day, it should be our goal to walk in a fresh, fresh presence. Sometimes I'm afraid that Christians get into the Bernie Sanders whole deep routine. You know, Bernie Sanders promises us this. And of course, he's promising it to all the young kids that are, aren't paying taxes. We'll pay for it. We'll give you a free schooling. Bernie, really? More of my taxes going to... A, a bunch of people that aren't uh, trying to get an education. I pay for my own kids and I got to pay for yours. The promises and the promises and the promises, the things that he continues to promise. And my concern is that sometimes as Christians, what we follow Jesus for is, is in our, the next promise. What's he going to give me now? And that is no way to have the presence of the Lord. Don't you get sick and tired of asking for things sometimes? Because one of the things Jesus told his early disciples, he says to you and me, is, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to deny myself. You want to be my disciple? Put your faith in this statement. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. He who remains in me, I will remain in them, and they'll bear a lot of fruit. But how do you remain in Christ? By faith. Would you bow your heads with me? If you are here today, like so very often any one of us can be, you fall back into works. Pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, we are here before you today understanding what Paul says to the Galatians, this group of Christians who started well. He, he appealed to their personal experience. He appealed to the scriptures. He appealed to a, an example of, of, a, of a trust, of, of, of a promise that was made. He opens the scriptures and just, Lord, help us all hear your word. Galatians 1, 6 and 7, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself 
through the loving mercy of Christ. You're, you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ, Lord Jesus. May we not follow the twisted way that just seems to be so easy to fall back into. May you give us a fresh presence of your spirit, not just right now. Lord, I was praying that people would get a chance to sense it and feel it today so that maybe if there's somebody here today, you want it continuously. You turn to Jesus Christ. You turn from your sins. You turn to Jesus Christ. Lord, pour out that fresh presence. This is how we are supposed to walk. May it be so according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen.